Every day, scientists are learning more and more about how human brains work and how many of us don't fit into the old-fashioned understanding of how brains should work. But a lot of ideas about parenting and familial relationships still need to catch up to the reality of human variation. Neurological differences are natural, profoundly valuable parts of being in a community together and in being part of a family. Whoever you are, wherever you are in your journey, I am here to explore with you. We are all in this together. Welcome to Neurodiverging. friends and welcome to Neurodiverging. Thank you so much for tuning in with me today. If you're new here, I'm Danielle and I'm the autistic parent of one autistic child and one ADHD child, the partner of an ADHD man, and also I have the best cats. Neurodiverging is dedicated to helping neurodiverse folks find the resources they need to live better lives as individuals and to further disability awareness and social justice efforts to improve all of our lives as part of the larger world community. You can learn more by checking out my website at neurodiverging.com. And please don't forget to hit the subscribe button to make sure you are notified when there's a new episode. Today's episode is a practically minded one. We are talking about schedules. Now that we're getting into the fall season, most kids have gone back to school, even though school looks very different this year. And this means that a lot of us are adjusting our schedules to accommodate the new school schedule. And that can include things like a new sleep schedule, a new meal schedule, changes to the therapy schedule, and more. Changing schedules can be really difficult for people with executive function troubles. I'm an autistic. I definitely have trouble if someone changes the schedule on me with no notice, as do my kids. I have an expectation about my day and I've planned around exactly what I expect. So when something changes, I don't feel like I have time to think through the new potentialities. So schedule changes can create a lot of anxiety or even a sense of panic, and that can lead to a meltdown, which of course can throw the schedule off even more, creating a stress spiral of doom. Wouldn't it be nice if there were a way to create a schedule that worked for everyone in your household with no stress and no panic? Yes, that would be lovely, I hear you say. So today, I'd like to go through the best way I've found for making a household schedule that is inclusive of everybody in your house and their needs, whether you've got kids or you're living with a partner, family, or roommates. First, I'd like to take just a minute to thank this week's sponsor, iAlly, which is an app and website for family caregivers. Thank you to iAlly for supporting this episode of Neurodiverging. Now, schedules. Approaching the schedule as a household or family project might not be your first thought. I find that a lot of households have one person who kind of fills out the household administrator role, who decides when meals are on the table, and for example, if you're a parent, when bedtime is. But creating an ideal schedule for everybody can be a great way to support neurodivergent folks in your family because it lets them know what to expect when and removes a lot of stress and anxiety from their day-to-day. Additionally, many of us are on certain medications or just function better at certain points of the day, whether you're neurotypical or neurodiverse. And creating a schedule that accounts for all of that will support your family and household running smoothly and comfortably and with less stress for everyone. And less stress means more joy. 
So I'm going to discuss the entire plan in detail, but let me just give you a quick rundown. First, we collect all of your family's events, tasks, basically anything that needs doing. Second, we interview everyone about their energy levels and priorities, how people feel throughout the day. Third, we make and test the schedule and troubleshoot. Okay, so first we're going to collect all of the data we need about your family's doing, the events, tasks, stuff you've got to do. Get a notebook or create a Google Doc or whatever you want to do and write down the name of everyone in your family or household. Also, please write down any pets who need daily care or anyone who lives outside of your household who is a big part of your day-to-day. For example, this could be like a babysitter or a nanny, a tutor, a step-parent, a grandparent, a live-in carer, anybody like that. Write their names down and then go through each person and write down their events for the day. So school, doctor's appointments, taking a medication, meals, work, dog walks, feed the cat, anything that needs to happen during an average week, dance lessons, debate club, marching band practice, trivia night, whatever it is. Ideally, you do this by talking to each person, maybe more than once. You get a sense of what they are doing day to day and what events come up weekly and what are their biggest stress points during the day or week. You are not at this point trying to solve any problems or any stress points right now. You are just taking note. You are just collecting data, okay? So just write down the places that there might be stress points as places in the schedule that will need consideration later, okay? If you have children in the house or folks who are nonverbal, do not skip talking to them, please. They have priorities too, and although you as a parent or caregiver may not be able to or want to prioritize the same things as your dependents, they will appreciate being asked and considered and having a chance to communicate to you about what's important to them. Just give them enough time to process the question and think about their answers. This is a really good opportunity to get information from people that you may not be taking enough time to get information from daily. It happens sometimes. So just take this opportunity, check in. This is also a really great way to model cooperation and compromise with kids. An example from my life, one of my kids feels very strongly that their dolls need to be put down for their naps every day. And that kid will put up a big fight if I try to co-opt that time with an errand or some other activity. So now when we make a daily or a weekly schedule, I specifically asked my kiddo about their doll's needs today so it can go on the schedule. And if there's a conflict between when they want to help the dolls and when I need to keep an appointment, we talk about it together and we figure it out. It is not always easy, especially if you're new to the talking to your kids, like giving your kids opinion weight Uh, approach. But over time, it has smoothed out our planning and day-to-day so much, and it has made my kids more likely to work with me as if we are on the same team together rather than like pushing against each other. Okay, so you've collected a bunch of data about the day-to-day workings of your family. Cool, what's next? Now you want to talk to each person on your list about their energy levels. So when do they get up in the morning? When do they go to bed? When do they feel the best during the day? For example, I get up around 8 in the morning, I go to bed around 10 p.m., but my energy is not consistent throughout the day. I'm usually very focused and organized in the morning. I get relatively tired and slow between like 1 and 3. Then I begin to perk up again around 4. I'll have another focused period like roughly between 5 and 7, and then I start to slow down again until it's time for bed. What you're doing with these questions is trying to figure out when is everybody's time of best focus or flow. 
when they should be doing the hardest parts of their day or the most complex parts of their day? And when are they slow? When do they need to rest? When do they tend to feel kind of spacey or unfocused and either need to be resting or need to be doing things that are less strenuous for them? Another example, my five-year-old wakes up in the morning and is very organized and together and kind of mini adult, highly verbal, good at planning and thinking ahead like that. As the day goes on, though, they tend to start to become more of like a kid and have less control of their executive function. They can't plan ahead or organize their thoughts as well at 3 p.m. as they can at 9 a.m. So as their parent, I know that if I need them to sit down and do something like schoolwork, I'll have a better shot at getting that to work earlier in the morning. Doing schoolwork later in the day is not likely to work. Similarly, They tend to want more exercise and heavy work later in the day when they're less together. So scheduling dance lessons for 3 p.m. will work a lot better than scheduling them at 9 a.m. I am told (laughs) that some people feel like they have even energy all day. That must be amazing. I can't even fathom it. If that's you and your whole family, congratulations. But every member of my family has uneven energy throughout the day. And we don't all have low energy at the same times and high energy at the same times unfortunately. So what we're really trying to do with all this collecting of information is getting what we need to coordinate the tasks and events of our days with our energy levels. This is idealized. It doesn't always work, but this is a really good step just to thinking through uh, how you can better organize yourself. An optional but totally recommended part of this step is asking everybody about any side effects of medication they are on. For example, a lot of ADHD meds work well for half the day and then they wear off. Or if somebody's taking a painkiller or an anti-allergy medication daily, it might make them sleepy. Some asthma medications can cause irritability or stomach issues. So check in about side effects and when they tend to hit. This can be a huge piece of the puzzle and is really, really helpful to know when you're planning. So now you've collected a ton of information by now, right? You've got a pile. So you should know what all everybody has to do when and what their energy looks like over the course of the day. So now you're going to plan. Before we get to this planning, I'd like to take a minute to tell you about our sponsor this week, iAlly. Today's episode is generously sponsored by iAlly. iAlly is a website and app created to be the family caregiver's companion. It was created by a young woman who became her father's full-time caregiver rather suddenly and recognized the lack of support and resources available to caregivers in our millennial generation. The iAlly app provides personalized access to mental health providers, financial coaching, and education, legal counsel, and a digitized matching service for clinical trials. It also has a cool feature the iAlly Checkup, which ensures that you are taking advantage of all the benefits you may be eligible for, as well as a personal caregiving coach. What I really loved about iAlly when I first found out about it is that the app offers a way for those of us taking care of kids or parents with significant needs, a centralized space for all of our medical documents, medical histories, medications, important notes, which makes it easier to keep track of everything. I struggle with executive function, I've talked about that before, and my kids have multiple medical conditions to manage. I know a lot of you are in the same boat. The app is a huge help. 
Additionally, as the family caregiver, all of your own medical information, documents, and medications are in there too, and the app encourages you to be thinking about how to take care of yourself and make sure you're getting to your appointments too while you're supporting your family member. You have access to all of this coaching as well as medical and mental health resources right inside the app, so it's all easy to find when you need it. There's also mutual aid opportunities to help right inside the app. So if you need help picking up groceries or getting rides to the doctor, you can ask for help from a volunteer. Or you can volunteer yourself if you want to be available to help others in your community. You can customize your own plan so you can choose the resources you need or want. It's all personalized and it's free to join. You can learn more about iAlly at app.i-ally.com or please click the link below in the show notes. Thank you so much to iAlly for sponsoring Neurodiverging today. And we're back. So now you have a big pile of data. What do you do with it? There are two ways to approach scheduling at this point. The first way is to go through your life and let things happen when they happen and notice, observe when there is friction or difficulty in what's going on. The other way is to build a schedule from the ground up, starting at nothing, and adding events where they're needed. I've used both, and they both work for different situations, so let's talk more about these options. The first option, let everybody go through their lives the way they have been, but with the addition of observing where there are points of friction. So these are places where something isn't working. Someone is having repeated meltdowns, or is always exhausted, or is not able to complete their work, or get enough rest, or whatever it is. So when you notice something not working like this, you should now have the information that you collected and be able to work to figure out a different way of doing things that might suit that person better. So for example, if your child is melting down about being asked to do math homework at 4 p.m., you might realize that they are too overwhelmed after school and they need more time to settle after school. So maybe they can try to do it after dinner, or maybe they need to get up earlier in the morning and do it before school, okay? I tend to use this approach when there are a lot of items in my schedule that are not flexible. So if you need to attend classes from nine to three every day, or you have dedicated work shifts that you're assigned, obviously you have limited control over changing those scheduled items, but you can control your meals, your sleep time, your leisure activities, your kid's dance class, when that speech therapy appointment is, or whatever other items need to happen around your work schedule, and make sure that those other events and their scheduling support you and your family as much as possible. I think the trick with this approach is having a really good handle on what your priorities are and why. It's really easy to say, oh, my kid has to do this dance class, or I have to take this 7 a.m. therapy appointment across town or whatever. And sometimes you do need to do those things. But it's also really easy to talk yourself into thinking that you don't have control over things that you do have control over. So consider that each item on your schedule should support you or solve a problem for you. And if it's not, you may want to rearrange or rethink that item. So could you get a new therapist who's not way across town and only has 7 a.m. appointments available? Can you get your kid to take a season off dance or switch dance studios to some place that has a more flexible schedule. It might be worth it if it removes a huge stress point in your life and makes you a better person and a better parent and a better partner overall, you know? So now the second option is you can draw the schedule from the ground up, starting at zero with a blank slate and adding everybody's stuff by priority 
until you get to something that looks feasible. So you'd have a blank calendar. You'd start with adding your biggest commitments or the events that are most necessary. So this might be something like work, school, medical appointments, meals, sleep, rest time. And then once you've got that first layer down, you're going to add the things that are important to you and your family, but maybe not completely necessary. So extracurriculars, sports, optional therapies, piano practice, like that. So that's your second layer, things that are important, but like you could skip a week if it got too crazy. The third layer will be things that you'd like to do, but you don't have to do them regularly. So maybe book club, going to the zoo, hiking, visiting your cousin, whatever it is. So after you've done all that, you should have a rough schedule that has everything on it for everyone in your group. You should be able to see where there are conflicts and think through how you might solve those conflicts, considering the priority of each item and how it affects people's energy levels, right? At that point, you would try the schedule out for a day or a week or a month or whatever length of time is appropriate for your group and see what's working and what isn't, and then go back and recalibrate if you need to. Thinking about the necessity of the item, the priority of the item, and how it is affecting people's energy and ability. I would love to know if you live in a household with some neurotypical people and some neurodivergent people, how have you gone about smoothing out schedules and kind of energy levels for everybody? How have you gone about creating a nice, calm, shared wellness household where everybody feels comfortable and safe? I would love to hear your tips if you have any, especially if you have older kids or teenagers. I obviously have very young children. It's a totally different ball game I'm aware of. Um, so if you have any tips or ideas, I would love to hear them. You can email me at neurodiverging.podcast at gmail.com or go to the website and there's a contact form in there. I hope this has been helpful to you. Thank you so much for listening to Neurodiverging today. And thank you again to iAlly for supporting this episode. We will be back in two weeks on Thursday with our next episode. Until then, remember, we are all in this together literally literally in isolation in the household and we can all work together to make living together the best it can be